and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is episode 102 and I am your one host, Nick Amell. That makes me number two host, sidekick host, Brandon. Brandon, Brandon who? That's it. Brandon. That's I told you it's like Cher or Madonna. Okay. Or Prince. Yep. You're just like Cher and Madonna or Prince. Exactly. No, I, I know our listeners will agree with that. Well, this is the show where one of us, either the one host or the number two sidekick host, Brandon, one of us brings a top 10-ish list on any given topic in the universe, and the other tries to guess without knowing what the list is ahead of time. Brandon's going to tell us what his list is here in a minute, but first I want to remind everyone that our Patreon members are listening to this episode early and ad-free for as little as $2 per month. Patreon members also get our twice monthly bonus episodes. You can get all that and more right now at patreon.com slash tennis pod. The ad free thing is new, so I wanted to sneak that was, in there. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I don't want to listen to it with ads either because yep. I am the ads. But everyone rest assured that any uh, ball uh, related, testicle related ad reads in the future like Manscaped, mm-hmm. I'll make sure those stay in there. Those are done live? Yeah. Still haven't gone, gotten my testicle lawnmower from you yet. Uh, I haven't seen you. We're not allowed to because of the court order. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, given that we are talking to each other via the internet. Yeah. We can talk to each other, just not in person. So, why don't you talk to me now and tell me uh-huh. what is your top 10 list this week? I actually have a top, tw- I have a list of the top 20 best horror movie sequels in front oh. of me here. Although, this. we're okay. only going to talk about the top 10 in depth. Yeah, this is kicking off Spooktober of 2020. So, I'm getting us in the mood. Tell the folks at home, what is Spooktober? Well, it's like October, but it's, it's intensely spooky. The oh, whole shit. year round. I never, Start. I never got that. I never got that. You just take out the word "ock" and put "spook" in front of the month. I think it's called a Teutonic name. I don't like it, but I do like spooky shit. So, how does this list work? Where did you find it? Well, there are, there are, mm-hmm. there are lots of best of horror movie sequel lists out there. So I had a few to choose from, and I ended up sticking with the one from RollingStone.com. The worldwide, they're the internationally renowned experts on horror films. Okay. And it's obviously an opinion piece. While you were talking, I looked it up and we did cover the best ever horror films back on episode 89, if you want to check that out. So, this uh, Rolling Stone article is ranking the best horror movie sequels now. Are there any guidelines to help me here? Just sequels to horror movies. That's it. Now, is it, is it the direct sequel or just any sequel? Any sequel. Okay best. All right. I've seen many of them and I will say from what I understand and what I've seen on YouTube of the ones I haven't watched in full, they are pretty good. So, is the Blair Witch Project sequel number one or two? It's not on here. The one that I was embarrassed of. Yeah. Well, we've talked at length about the Blair Witch movies. I think the first original one is very good and I even kind of like the 2016 one but I didn't, I never saw the sequels and the original sequels and I heard they were awful. I saw Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. I took a girl to see it and then I apologized after. Yeah. I'll bet you did not see her Book of Shadows that night, am I right? That was funny. Yep. Okay, <laughs> should, I, should, I, uh, should I guess here? Yeah, start, uh, start guessing. Well, we should also tell people who aren't familiar with the show that you watch a lot of horror movies. You like horror movies. Yes, seen, I've seen... You've probably seen many more than I have. 
Yeah. Let me ask this. When you read the article, did it say it was their favorite or the best? They say they're the best. And okay. what I was attempting to explain earlier, and I don't think I did a good job, was that I, no, I looked at several websites, several different opinion pieces, but they all really did center on the same like 10 or 12 movies as being the best horror yeah. movie sequels. There, there was a pretty strong consensus. I, I know what you mean. Uh, okay. I'm going to guess. Let's see. I have not really done like an inventory in my brain here. Let's see. Let's get through the heavy hitters first. And by heavy hitters, I mean kind of those big mainstream horror franchises that everyone could name sure. off the top of their head. So, are there any Friday the 13th sequels in the top 10? Yes. Oh, man. There's been so many. I'm going to need to look Wait, it up here. hold on. In the top 10? Yeah. No. Sorry. No Friday the 13th sequels in the top 10. Okay. So, you're just all over the fucking place today, huh? Sorry. They're in the top 20. There's a Friday the 13th movie the final chapter friday the 13th the final chapter from 1984 mm. which i obviously was not the final chapter or there's a shitload no of, that's like uh that's like less than epilogues that's four years from the original and they're trying to tell you it's the final chapter Come yeah on. so that was number 14 on the top 20 okay and that's Are the only any... friday the 13th i am fairly confident that a nightmare on elm street sequel will be in the top 10 a nightmare it, it, there it, there is do you want to is try it, to guess which sequel? Uh, yes, but real quick before I do, are remakes considered on this list or no? No, they are not. I'm going to say number two, the very second one, is in the second half of the top ten. No. Okay. It is so, in the second half of the top ten. I'll do, I'm going to tell you it's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream I Warriors. almost guessed that one. You got into, you played mind games with me and tried to steer me away from my correct guess. How did I Admit do that? <laughs> By being silent and waiting. <laughs> well, uh, so, I'm, I'm really happy that you seem familiar with it. Have you, you've seen, like, a, you've seen several Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Have you seen Dream Warriors? Yeah, I mean, I have once. It's been a very long time. What number did you say it was? It's number seven on the list. Okay. Well, this is the sequel to uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, the story for this one was developed by Wes Craven. He did not write or direct it, though. In this one, Freddy attacks a teenage girl uh, named Kristen, who's played by Patricia Arquette. And she's sent to a psychiatric hospital. And then Freddy shows up there and keeps attacking her. And she reveals to the other patients she's in there, the other young patients that she's in there with, that they are the last surviving children of the people who got together and burned Freddy Krueger to death. Okay, spoiler. Well, it's not the whole thing. Do you remember, like, do, does everybody know that, that one of America's favorite Halloween costume villains was burned to death because he was a pedophile? I'm going to say no. I don't think all the people who kind of glamorize <laughs> Freddy Krueger as like a scary nightmare guy, they kind of conveniently forget all the pedophilia. Yeah, and Batman never did pedophilia that we know of, but he's definitely done some dark shit too and kids love to be him. Wait. Kids like to be Darth Vader who killed people. I, I'm just going on a side oh, thing the now. the kill about. part. Yeah, I think killing's fine. We just draw the line at... Killing's fine. Pedophilia. Yeah. So, anyway, they... Was it... Hang on. Patients. Wasn't... Sorry. I was going to interject that. I believe he's an accused pedophile, right? The parents jumped to conclusions. Uh, I want to say... If I recall, the kids who find out about Freddy's past, they, they realize that he was an accused pedophile 
parents reacted without proof and burned him alive. So the kids kind of sympathized with him a little bit. But then it comes out later that he actually was a, pedoph- <laughs> a pedophile. <laughs> he just said, ha you've been groomed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yeah, they use group hypnosis and then they dream together and fight Freddy Krueger. I've, so, I've watched pieces of it. There's a part where Freddy jumps out at Zsa, Zsa Gabor while she's being interviewed on TV by Dick Cavett. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? No. Uh, well, it happens. And do you know who Zsa, Zsa Gabor is? Nope. Oh, well, I don't want to explain that. This In is going origin- nowhere quick. <laughs> Nobody knows my 70s and 80s TV references. In the original script, one of the warriors, the dream warriors, dreams up a giant Transformer-style robot to fight Freddy Krueger. The sequence even made it to the storyboard stage, uh, but they didn't have enough budget to make it possible. Huh. That would have been incredible. Yeah. That would have been memorable. I would have heard about that. I would have sought out dream warriors if I knew that Freddy Krueger fights a Transformer. Who do you think would win though? A, a Transformer? Freddy or? is susceptible to Transformers because they don't have genitals that he can go after. Right, right, right. And they have super robot skin that can't be pierced by his blade fingers. Sure. So, that's... <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. You want to fucking deny it? <laughs> that's Nightmare on Elm Street, Three Dream Warriors. Now, you mentioned that the teens in the movie, they all go to sleep together and dream together, right? They get to hypnotized together, yeah. Oh, hypnotized. It reminds me, didn't we do that, you and I, last year when we fought Dr. Phil in our dreams? <laughs> we laid down head to toe in the same bed <laughs> and <laughs> fought Phil, yeah. <laughs> fought Phil, yeah, okay. I was afraid I dreamed that, but I'm glad to know that you remembered it I too. was just thinking about like if he was, you know, like walking into his set, right? It's yeah. like it's the, the um, audience is full of, you know, screaming women. It's like his normal audience, but they're all up and screaming like, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> and Phil, when you walk in, it's like you're walking, you know, to the octagon, but you're walking to Phil's stage and he's sitting there waiting for you like he's going to talk to you, just kind of staring down his nose at you. And then you get up close and he just jumps out of that chair and starts swinging. <laughs> I think we've talked before about how Dr. Phil would actually be quite the adversary because he is a man He's that a loves guy. life. Yeah. And he, yeah, he is not willing to let go of life under any circumstances. I bet he would fight like a gorilla. Oh, yeah. What do you think he would say though? What's his attack yell sound like? I when he first I'm... leaps out of the stool to get you. Oh, I don't think he would be loud. I think he would mumble something like menacing at you like, I'm teaching motherfucker. Like he would kind of mumble at you and you'd be like sort of catching words but also terrified at the same time because he's lumbering towards you and swinging. I think he is screaming. I think he's saying, buy my books. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, why don't I give another guess since Dr. Phil's not anything to do with horror films. He doesn't. He does haunt my dreams, though. Are there any other Saw movies in the top 10? Not in the top 10. Saw 2 is listed as number 20 on the list. The uh, Saw series is one of those series that's kind of mocked now for having so many sequels and yeah. a lot of reasons. But the, the original trilogy, the first three, are usually pretty well regarded. So, it doesn't surprise me to hear number 2. What number was that? That was number 20. Okay. Are there any Halloween sequels? 
There are. There is... More than one, okay. There are two Halloween sequels in the top 20. Number 11 is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch for 1982. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, but there is one in the top 10? And there's one well. in the top 10. And it's a sequel, not a reboot. Mm-hmm. I know it's not H2O 20 years later. <laughs> was that, what year was that? Was that from the year 2000? 98, because the first one was 78. Oh, okay. I know it's not Resurrection because that was probably the shittiest one in the whole series. Um, you said three was number 11. Mm-hmm. I'll go with two. I'll go with Halloween two. You are correct. Do you want to guess what number it is? Eight. Number six. Knew it. Halloween two from 1981 is number six on the list. Have you noticed that with both, actually with the big three, Halloween, Nightmare, and Friday the 13th, all of them had like one movie per year or pretty close to that. They, they pumped them out quick. Yeah. That's something that, came, that will come up again later too that I noticed. Halloween 2 was directed by Rick Rosenthal in his directorial debut, but it was written and produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance, who reprise their roles as Laurie and Dr. Loomis. And it picks mm-hmm. up directly after the first film uh, with Michael Myers following Laurie to the hospital. Uh, where Dr. Loomis is uh, continuing his pursuit of Michael. And I watched some of this. It's, uh, there's a lot of clips on YouTube of this. Stylistically, Halloween 2 reproduces certain key elements that made the original Halloween a success, like first-person camera perspectives, and it picks up right at the end of that cliffhanger ending the original film. It was supposed to finish the story of Michael Michael Myers and Laurie, It introduces the plot twist, and I think this is something you'll be familiar with. You seem closer to these. Laurie Strode is the sister of Michael Myers, a feature that would form the narrative arc of the series and subsequent subsequent films. Easy for you to say. (laughs) That includes Rob Zombie's remake and its sequel. But then they made the, uh, they started another film trilogy in 2018, and they dropped that again. Yeah. The uh, 2018 Halloween was very good. And the Rob Zombie ones are kind of not well, what's the word? Like received, I guess, in the horror community. Yeah, well regarded. Uh, But I really like them. I like the Rob Zombie films. I like the Rob Zombie films more than any of the original sequels. The original Halloween is still the best of all of them. What made Rob Zombie's versions different? They were grittier. Mm -hmm. They were darker. They were a little less slasher and a little more disturbing, maybe. I feel like we, we may have talked about this, so apologies if we have, but I believe one of the criticisms of them is that they go too deep into Michael's backstory, make him almost a sympathetic figure. You learn a lot about him and his past. And you and I have talked about and agree that the less you know about a villain, the better. Yeah, that's true. Generally speaking. Anyway, that all said, I still liked them. I thought they were well done. Halloween 2 was praised for its performances in the atmosphere, uh, but it drew a lot of attention from critics who criticized the violence and gore compared to the original film. But I thought that was kind of the point, like, shouldn't you expect in a Halloween sequel, or any, I'm sorry, any horror movie sequel, that the violence and gore is likely to be up? So, they're saying there's too much or not enough? More. They're, yeah, they're saying too much compared to the original. To that, I say, shut the fuck up. Yeah, quit being a 
Don't be a puss about it. Don't be a puss about it. Halloween 2 was intended to be the last chapter of the Halloween series to revolve around Michael Myers in the town of Haddonfield, but after the lackluster reaction to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Michael Myers was brought back six years later in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And the clip that I, one of the clips that I watched almost right before we started recording tonight was Lori, at the end of it, she blinds Michael Myers because she, she shoots him in his eyeballs. Mm. That's, <laughs> I mean, of all the things he did to others, <laughs> it just really struck me that she shot him in his eyeballs. What should she have done? I don't know. It made me sympathize with him though. His poor eyes. <laughs> okay. Okay. His poor eyes. I have a question for you. Are you done with Halloween 2? Yeah, that's all I got. My question for you is something that stood out about what you said is how Halloween 2 was intended to be the end. And I'm sure Friday the 13th, you mentioned the final chapter, which was 1984. I'm sure that was intended to be the end. My point in saying that is there's so many sequels, so many reboots, Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers, and Leatherface, who we haven't talked about yet. All of them have been endlessly rebooted, remade. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's just going to go on forever? Like in 100 years, are they going to be rebooting and doing remakes of Halloween still? Or do you think... I don't know. I'm sure some of them will stick around maybe in one form or another. But we're coming up with new monsters all the time. Like now, you know, the the Freddy and the Jason for today's kids are Slenderman and and, uh, Momo. And have you heard of Siren Head? No. I've heard of the first two, obviously. Not that one. My seven-year-old introduced me to Siren Head. He shows up in video games, like games that have been modded or games that were created to feature Siren Head. And he's anywhere between like 20 and 40 or 50 feet tall. And he's super skinny, like he's made out of poles, but he walks like a man. (laughs) He looks like a man. He (laughs) He walks like a man, but his head is a series uh, it's like, you know, sirens that point in all four directions, but he makes terrible siren noises like an air raid, a tornado siren. He sucks. The emergency broadcast symbol. And he, he chases. Yeah, it sounds like he sucks, but kids are terrified of him and he's their, you know, version of Bloody Mary or... Bloody Mary, yeah. Freddy Krueger. There's no good Bloody Mary movies out there. Someone had to, had to have made a Bloody Mary movie. Oh, I'm sure, but it's not memorable or famous or well-known. Did you do it when you were a kid? I was too terrified. I never did it. Scared the shit out of me. It scared the shit out of me too. I could never do it. I did it and I was so convinced I was going to see like demons and shit come through the mirror. <laughs> like I remember my heart pounding so hard and then nothing happened. Instead of nothing happening and thinking, oh, it was bullshit. I am, everything's fine. I thought that I had like planted a seed and it yes. may not happen now, but it could be weeks from now and I could be going in the bathroom in the night and not turn the light on and glance over and there's Bloody Mary with her face pressed up against the mirror, licking mm. it. Licking it, yeah. How old were you when you did Bloody Mary? Eight, nine. Yeah. I, I did it other times than that, but that was, I think, the first time that I remember. We should do it together next time I see you and I give you the ball trimmer. <laughs> We can then go into my bathroom, close the door, hold hands, turn off the lights and do Bloody Mary together. What do you think? Come out and your wife is like, what are you doing in there? And you just shrug and say like, we haven't seen each other in a long time. (laughs) Well, later I'm going to talk about how we're relaunching our YouTube channel. So, maybe that's some video content, you and I doing Bloody Mary together. Oh boy. 
and then fucking each other. Uh, so why don't I give another guess? I said Leatherface. Let's do a Leatherface sequel. No, there are no Texas Chainsaw or Leatherface movies in here. So I've kind of hit like the big four or five now. So let's, we got to take a step out. Is there any Hellraiser? There is a Hellraiser movie in the top 20. It's Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 from 1988. It's number 15 on the list. I've seen most like major horror films Mm -hmm. or at least like the franchise, but I have not seen a single Hellraiser yet. So I think they're all on Amazon Prime and they look really stupid, but stupid in a way that I like. Like, why has he got pins on his head? Yeah. I gotta know. Well, then watch the movie. Or just have read online and spoil it for yourself like you do every movie. <laughs> okay. Aren't you the one that told me you <laughs> yeah, are but so why excited are you for just Star Wars? me on this <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I do. That's what's expected of me. You okay. should guess a movie instead. I loved Sinister. It's one of my favorite horror films of the mm-hmm. 2000s, but the sequel is not very good, so I won't guess that. It's not on here. I got to think now. What about Evil Dead? Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Dead by Dawn. Four. It's number three on the list. You got to admit, I was sniffing. I was in sniffing distance of it. You, yeah, you had a a little hint. Uh, Directed Mm -hmm. by Sam Raimi and a parody sequel to the 1981 horror film, The Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell stars as Ash Williams, who vacations with his girlfriend to a remote cabin in the woods. He discovers an audio tape of recitations from a book of ancient texts. When the recording is played, it unleashes a number of demons which possess and torment him. Yeah, hate that. Hate it when I do that. It was just the tape? Yeah, what's a tape doing there anyway? How did you know the tape was from a book of ancient texts? I guess someone could have said, I'm about to read this book of ancient texts. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, you know, it sounds like, and he's like, oh, this must be from some Jesus fucking ancient Christ. text. If I woke up in the night and heard that coming from the corner <laughs> of the room, I would die right then. <laughs> There's all kinds of noises. If you woke up in the middle of the night, just out of context, it would scare you absolutely to death. How about this one? that one would annoy me in the night what about dr phil in the in the corner what's he doing mumbling (laughs) if he's he's mumbling that would scare the shit out of me oh that dog won't haunt you sleeping on your side i think you got sleep apnea yeah that would scare me okay well let's just agree that there's pretty much not a single sound that would be welcome in the night but some are worse than others very few uh, Stephen King really liked the original film and he brought the project to the attention of producer Dino De Laurentiis, who he had been making uh, his directorial debut, which I've heard, I think from you, sucks super bad in Maximum Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Then producer De Laurentiis agreed to produce it and he signed them a larger budget than they had the, on the first film. So like The Evil Dead... It was widely acclaimed by critics. The praise was reserved for its humor, Raimi's direction, and Bruce Campbell's performance. I think everybody who like, likes those films is mainly just a big Bruce Campbell fan, right? Yeah, there was a spinoff series recently too. Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yeah, I never did watch that. Did you? Well, if you liked that, there, if you liked the Evil Dead, you can go apeshit on Evil Dead stuff now. 
you probably know more than we do then. It's funny that Evil Dead, the original was, you know, a horror film. Mm-hmm. And the sequels like really leaned into the campiness intentionally. I wonder if there was anybody f- that was a fan of the original film who thought like that he punked out. Well, it is. You don't see very many film series like that where it's like a complete departure in style and tone. Well, isn't this the same Sam Raimi who in Spider-Man 3 had Peter Parker do like a really out of place like musical number walking down the street? Spider-Man 3 was very bad. (laughs) I like Spider-Man and I didn't even see it. I heard it was so bad. I will stand by that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the first one from 2002, is the best Spider-Man film that there's been. Now, the sequels, not so much. Did you see Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah, you know, that actually might be better. But I guess I meant... Yeah, I guess I meant more like a, you know, traditional Spider-Man movie. Not your hippie shit. So, the the crew of Evil Dead 2 snuck in some in-jokes into the movie and one of them included the clawed glove of Mr. Frederick Krueger. Hmm. The Nightmare on Elm Street villain. Yeah. It hangs on the cabin's basement and tool shed. It was uh, supposed to be a reference to the original Nightmare on Elm Street where Nancy dozes off watching the original Evil Dead on a TV set in her room. Oh, yeah. Uh, In turn, that scene was a reference to the torn The Hills Have Eyes poster seen in the original Evil Dead film, which it was a reference to a torn Jaws poster in The Hills Have Eyes. We're done. And yeah. No more of this infinite loop of references. I'm done. And it was released unrated to, inv- to avoid being rated X. Really? The uh, Evil Dead 2? Mm-hmm. For mm. the... Yeah, I need to go back and watch it again. For the gore, the horror and the gore. I liked the... Uh, there was a remake in like uh, 2015-ish for Evil Dead that I think got mixed reviews, but I liked it okay. I've somehow missed all of these Evil Dead movies. I know of them. I am aware of them. I know he has a chainsaw on his arm. Is there an Evil Dead 3? Uh, it's called Army of Darkness. Oh. He goes back in time. So, did you want to just pull up a list of movies and just start fucking spoiling every single one of them one after no, another? No, that's the, like, that, the premise. Is that this? The premise isn't a spoiler. Hmm. So, guess another movie where I'll slowly walk yeah. behind you with a knife and tr- like Michael Myers. He doesn't run, you know, ever. Yeah, I don't like how Michael Myers is indestructible because he's not a zombie or anything like Jason is. He's supposed to be just a big giant, you know, mentally unstable person. I guess that should be part of the big reveal at the end of Halloween too. Like that's the part, part of what I just watched tonight was he gets shot like, I don't know, five times and he falls down to his knees and he falls down on his back and this like stupid kind of rookie cop runs over and he's like, he's still alive, he's still breathing. He's like, get the fuck away from him. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta save him. And this guy sticks his face right down by Michael Myers' face and fucking shocker, Michael Myers murders him Hmm. and and gets Was he going from mouth to mouth? (laughs) They just start making out. His tongue came out of the mask (laughs) and just wiggle. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh. when they should have known. Like, that's when Laurie probably knew right then. Oh, mother, he's not human. She even says, "Why, why can't he be killed? Why won't he die? He dies... I think he dies in like every movie pretty much, right? If I remember. I don't think it's that he actually dies though. I think the, the thing is that he doesn't die. So, he's supposed to still be a regular person. Well, something's up. You know, they don't ever go into this and for good reason. In the Rob Zombie 
one of the Rob Zombie Halloweens, uh, you see Michael Myers like out in the woods, mm-hmm. long hair. <laughs> like he's feral and shit. Yeah. And he finds some dogs, kills them and eats them like raw. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's brutal. But you don't ever, not, I can't recall a scene in the original Halloween or sequels that it shows Michael like eating <laughs> or brushing his teeth. Or... So, the only time he's shown eating, he's not like, it's not like in the other movies, you know, he grabs like a sandwich or he gra- even just grabs like a hunk of bread or, uh, you know, even grabs a cooked, you know, piece of meat off someone's plate. He's <laughs> eating raw dog. Raw dog. Yeah. Not the good kind of raw dog. He's got to eat. Anyway. I, I guess. Does he I just... poop? <laughs> I mean, presumably. Takes off his coveralls and sets his knife down. Yeah, that's the thing though. The coveralls are very inconvenient for You have to everything. take them all the way off if you're pooping. <laughs> I mean, and then yeah. your shirt is on the bathroom floor. You know, wonder he's, he looks disgusting all the time too. Yeah, hell of an ass though. Alrighty. And he's in shape for that ass. You mentioned Stephen King a few minutes ago. Is Pet Cemetery 2 in the top 10? It is not. I did not think so. Is there any Stephen King in the top 10? Nope. Most Stephen King sequels suck because they're based on... Stephen King hasn't written he any sequels. write a sequel, right. Yeah. I mean, he, he has now, but... Uh, okay. Scream 2 is going to be in the top 10. It is. Do you want to guess what number? Five. It's number 10. Okay. That's a good guess. Old Scream 2 from 1997 is number 10 on the list. And it is another one that came out extremely quickly after... Uh, it was released on December 12th, 1997, less than a year after the first. When was the first? It would have been like Christmas of 96. Okay, so like just under a year. Gotcha. That's fast though. I'm a proponent of letting it breathe a little bit before you start Well, they couldn't break it. because... Sydney was a senior in high school and she was off to college. Couldn't wait to take this sequel to college to get hot and heavy with co-eds. Directed by Wes Craven and written again by Kevin Williamson. Stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jamie Kennedy, Laurie Metcalf, Jerry O'Connell, Elise Neal. Uh, It was Timothy Oliphant was in that movie. He's definitely way too big for all those other fools now. I don't remember him in that, but... I, I didn't either. Jada Was Pinkett, he a high school student or a college student? He was college age, I think, <laughs> but he did, doesn't look college age. He looks 30 no. years old. Every 90s film that has high schoolers in it, every is single it? actor is like 35 or yeah, maybe look, not, like t- late 20s, early 30s. Jada Pinkett, before she was Jada Pinkett Smith and Liev Stryber. Oh, really? <laughs> Some of the, you know, I've seen almost every movie we've talked about, but I, it's been so long, I just don't remember much. I need to watch these again. I think Scream 2, I probably even saw at the theater. It takes place one year after the first film and again follows character of Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, and the other Woodsboro survivors at the fictional Windsor College in Ohio. She becomes the target of a copycat killer who uses the ghost face mask. Uh, one scene. In Kevin Williamson's screenplay, was simply described as, quote, Wes Craven will make it scary. Nah. Like he didn't, he just stopped writing and said, Wes Craven will do what he does. So wait a minute. 
the screenwriter stopped writing? Yeah. One scene just said Wes Craven will make it scary. It probably was like, you know, someone's chasing her with a knife and she runs like into a, a empty house oh. and he says, Wes Craven will make it scary. And yeah. They get, probably showed up that day and they're like, oh, fuck, I got to invent a bunch of stuff. <laughs> invent. Yes. Uh, so, that's all I have on it. I think we've all seen Scream 2. It's Jamie Kennedy's finest hour. Yeah. I'm a big Jamie Kennedy guy. <laughs> you and Jamie Kennedy. As you know. I, I remembered a big, uh, a big name we haven't touched on yet and that's Chucky. Uh, Is there, there a child's no, play? There are no child's play movies in here. Hmm. I guess they're too silly and lowbrow. I love them. I think they're hilarious, but no, there are no Chucky movies. When does it shift to kind of comedy horror? For Child's Play? Yeah, because the first, well, the first one's definitely straight horror. I'm trying to remember if the, like, two or three were comedy yet. Let me think here. Because I know by the time it got to Bride of Chucky, it was definitely, not that any of this matters. It's not Child's Play 2. Child's Play 2 is pretty much a continuation of Child's Play, of the first Child's Play. So, Child's Play 3, I think, was pretty straightforward in that same vein as Chucky 2. But I know for a fact the next one, the fourth one, is Bride of Chucky, Chucky, where it gets silly. Oh, it even says, unlike the first three films, Bride of Chucky takes a markedly humorous turn and often into self-referential parody. Right. Yep, so good times, no child's play. Good times, no child's play. So now it's going to start getting more difficult. Exorcist. No, there are no Exorcist sequels up here. Up here in the top 10, top 10 mountain. Silence of the Lambs? No, no Silence of the Lambs movies in here. I will say, here's one. Like Red Dragon. The most recent one on here is from 2011. And the oldest one on here is from 1935. Uh, well, I will, I will not get that one. You might. 2011. Let me think. The one from 2011 is the third. It's the second sequel, which would make it the third movie. Hang on. I want to get this. Give me another hint. It's a found footage movie. Cloverfield. No, it's Paranormal Activity 3. Oh, God fucking damn it. Parano- Let's redo the last few minutes here because that, I should have known that. It's number nine on the list. Paranormal Activity 3 is pretty good. See, I thought strictly because it was a third movie... And I thought the second, you know, the first one good, the second one a little bit less good. I expected the third one to be Third one's better than than two, for sure. Well, then I made a mistake. Third one's the second best in the franchise. 2011, American found footage, supernatural horror film, directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. There's a prequel to the first Paranormal Activity, which is one of the few films to give me the willies nightmares gave me a nightmare you know all the all those asshole horror fans out there that are like i haven't been scared of a horror movie since 1992 uh-huh. fucking brandon what a puss getting scared of paranormal Activity. dude that movie was so shitty i got oh. motion sickness <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> well yeah my i guess i'll apologize to anyone who doesn't like that it no you know, i'm it with d- you they're scary movies and no. people just don't I, I i hate the whole like I saw the first paranormal activity at the theater with my wife 
And so it didn't give me a nightmare that night. It was the next night. Like I'd, you know, had a whole other day of doing stuff. But you know, sometimes you have a dream and you are totally unaware that it's a dream because it's so boring and mundane. And in the dream, I was sitting at the kitchen table. I was on my laptop. I finished up. I turned around to the kitchen and all Holy of the... Holy shit, I'm bored to death. Oh, God, I know. Is this get good soon? All of the cabinet doors and drawers and stuff were open. Isn't that a horror movie like a, like a poltergeist that, type? Yeah. Phenomenon? That's in Paranormal Activity as well in right. the second one. So, I, I stood up. Oh, maybe that's where... Uh, no, I was the first Paranormal Activity. Anyway, I stood up and saw this and was like, oh, God, our, our house is haunted. So, I ran to the bedroom to tell my wife. She was standing at the bed like, uh, you know, staring away from it. And I grabbed her shoulder and turned her around to tell her like, our house is haunted. We have to move right now. <laughs> and when she turned and she around, went, <laughs> almost her face was all <laughs> scary and messed up. And she went like, <laughs> in real life, in my sleep, I started yelling like, oh God, no. My wife woke me up. And told you you were saying that? Yeah. Paranormal activity is one that I think is objectively good. But I think people shit on it, just like Blair Witch Project. But I think what a lot of people that see horror films fail to do is put themselves in the position of the characters in the movie. They instead focus on the effects and the Yeah, that's jumps. not the point. Yeah, the point. Yeah. yeah, I don't like The point I, is to get emotionally invested and see yourself in the character and imagine, yeah, paranormal activity, like whatever, you can say what you want about some of the effects. I mean, I think it holds up pretty well. But if you were that person and that shit was happening to you, it would fuck you up. So, right. I'm up, there's my soapbox. We've exposed their inability to empathize. It's your yep. weakness. I, I just hate it when people do that, especially with horror films. Dude, well, that movie sucked. I wasn't even scared once. <laughs> what's the point? All they just make themselves look stupid because what's the point of watching a horror movie if you're not going to get scared? It's like, I watch comedies all the time. I never laugh. Yeah. That, Fucking challenge. What you just did laugh. is... The perfect <laughs> illustration of my point. You're welcome. Now you've got a nuke you can lob at those assholes anytime <laughs> now. You're welcome. Yeah. I bet that's not the first nuke you've dropped today. You might remember this though. This is my last note on it. And I don't remember this, but I'm familiar with this phenomenon. It angered fans of the series when most of the scenes in the trailers were not in the actual movie. I don't remember that. I kind of like that. If you see a trailer and you're like, holy shit, that looks awesome. And then you go see the movie and you're like, oh, none of that was even ruined. It just gave me like, gave me the feel for it. And then I had nothing but surprises when I came in. Yeah. And there's also a, the reverse is happened now where a lot of modern trailers give away like major points in the movie. You can kind yeah, of follow the plot just by watching the trailer. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the last I had in Paranormal Activity 3. Is there any, uh, the conjuring? No. Is there any of that whole franchise, which would include like Annabelle and... No. Now, at this point, left on the list, I'll, t I'll give you the years that the remaining films were released. All right. 1969, 2007, 1986, 1935, and 1978. The most recent one is 2007, as we covered earlier. There's one as early as 1935. Let me hone on a 1969 for a minute. Is it a Dawn of the Dead or uh, one, of, one of the zombie sequels? So, Dawn of the Dead is on the list. It is not from 1969. It's from 1978. And it is actually number one on the list. 
Okay. What Dawn of the Dead what? Two? No, Dawn of the Dead is the sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Okay. Night of the Living Dead, you are probably thinking about came out in 1969. Yeah. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead came out in 1978, written and directed by George Romero. This one is more ambitious. It opens the his uh, of the dead series on a, up to like a gorier, grander scale. It is set in a suburban mall, a metaphor for soulless commercialization and a modern juxtaposition between banal, faux, banal. How do you say that? Banal, banal, banal. Banal. That that's got banal. <laughs> faux pleasantness <laughs> of normal life and the creeping terror around every corner. Uh, it has a ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I've not seen the I've seen the remake in like oh three or oh four. With uh, Zack Snyder remade Dawn of the Dead in 2004. I liked that one. I have some really good news. And this is truly good news about Dawn of the Dead from 1978. I found out just before we started recording that the theatrical cut, a 4K Blu-ray version of it is on YouTube for free. Which one? The 04? No, the 1978 Dawn of the Dead. Oh, 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 okay. Good. And I was kind of curious about like, you know, how good is its number one on this list? It was good. Starts out really good. Starts out strong. Yeah, I need to watch it. I have not watched it. Uh, I skipped around to the movie and, at, you know, at the end of the remake in 2004, the survivors build like a, a bus, like an armored bus yep. to yep. bust out of the mall and escape. In the 1978 version, at least part of the way, reason that the survivors are able to escape is because a, a horde of bikers invades the mall. And that's the part I was watching right before we started recording where all these bikers riding around, riding around the mall and then the zombies start shuffling in and the bikers just casually like they're like hitting them in the balls with uh, sledgehammers and then they start for somewhere they got pies and they start pieing them pies. in the face. Yes. They're pieing the zombies? They're pieing the zombies in the face. All right. I got to watch it now. Instead of focusing my notes on the content or the plot of Dawn of the Dead, I became really interested in, in talking about Tom Savini. Now, Tom Savini had originally been offered the chance to make special effects and makeup for George Romero's first zombie film, Night of the Living Dead. But Tom Savini was drafted into the Vietnam War. Instead, he made his de film debut as the effect artist on Dawn of the Dead. Huh. Now, he had been known for makeup in horror for some time, like before Dawn of the Dead. And he wrote a book explaining some of his special effects techniques. And he explained how his time in Vietnam influenced his work. I fucking bet it did. He served as a combat photographer during the Vietnam War. In a 2002 interview, he told the Pittsburgh Post, My job was to shoot images of damage to machines and to people. Through my lens, I saw some hideous shit. To cope with it, I guess I tried to think of it as special effects. Now, as an artist, I just think of creating the effect within the limitations we have to deal with. He continued to practice with makeup in Vietnam often frightening indigenous peasants by appearing to suddenly transform into a monster. <laughs> oh, mm. God. <laughs> <laughs> In 
As if they didn't have enough to be fucking scared of in Vietnam. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just thinking about the peasants in Vietnam <laughs> thinking there's a fucking live monster. Like a wolf man chasing them. Yeah. <clears throat> Using the lens of his camera, Savini separated himself from the real-life horrors of war. However, the images still haunted his mind. His wartime experiences influenced his style of gory effects. He says, I hated that when I watched a war movie and someone dies. Some people die with one eye open and one eye half closed. Sometimes people die with smiles on their faces because the jaw is always slack. I incorporated the feeling of the stuff I saw in Vietnam into my work. In 1970, while on guard duty, a flare was triggered in the jungle area that Savini was watching. Against military protocol, Savini fired into the bush without informing his superiors. <laughs> I really like this Tom Savini guy. Yeah. Other soldiers likewise began firing into the jungle until a duck wandered out from the bush completely unharmed. <laughs> Due to his failure to follow orders, Savini was taken off guard duty from his bunker on the following evening. That same evening, the bunker came under attack and several soldiers were wounded or killed. So he was basically saved. He, he saved, saved himself. by the duck, right. As a result of this incident, Savini earned the nickname Duck Slayer and to this day will not eat duck. <laughs> well, now I got to say ducks are pretty great. They are, but like, think about like, a com- I didn't even think about that, a combat photographer. His job was to take pictures of the most horrible things, of the most horrible parts of the war. Is that just to preserve for history? I mean, is that the whole point? Uh, yeah, I think so. They tried to give uh, Dawn of the Dead an X rating because of the gore. Uh, George Romero did not want to cut the film. He was adamant that he didn't want an X rating uh, due to his association with hardcore porno. Oh, baby. He released an unrated version with an advertising, discla- advertising disclaimers saying that there was no explicit sex, just it, that it was so violent no one was under 17 was permitted. And the last note I have on it, extras who appeared in this film were reportedly given $1 in cash, a donut, and a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. Oh, how much in cash? A dollar. A dollar in cash. A donut. Which inflation is probably like three or four dollars. The Dawn of the Dead t-shirt is the coolest part. Yeah, no, but the donut's pretty great too. Yeah. And you get to talk to the duck slayer, maybe. (laughs) The duck slayer is busy. Hey, I was just, um, this is totally random, but you mentioned extras in this mm-hmm. horror film, which reminded me, I was just listening to uh, the last podcast on the left, the Haddon Clark series, and there's a pretty famous case of a dead woman being found. They call her the Lady in the Dunes. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. The Lady in the Dunes was never identified, so no one has ever found out who she is. And she was like mutilated beyond recognition. But they did, they use like facial reconstruction technology to get a sense of what she probably looked like at, when she was living. And it was horror novelist Joe Hill, son of Stephen King, mm-hmm. uh, who's also a great writer in his own right. He pointed out that the photo of the reconstructed face of the Lady of the Dunes looks... <gasps> yes, looks just like a woman from the movie Jaws. Yes, she looks exactly like an extra from the movie Jaws. And it's credible because she has the same clothing accessories with her in the dunes as she's dead that the extra in the Jaws movie had. I think it's like a red, I don't remember, it was like a, you know, jeans and a red yeah. shirt or whatever. 
And furthermore, the Lady in the Dunes was found like, I think it's something like 100 miles from where they filmed Jaws around the same time. So, no point to any of that other than that's fucking fascinating to me. Incredible. Can you imagine being murdered so bad that they can't even tell who you are? Yeah, honestly, well, I've been listening to a lot, a lot of true crime podcasts lately and unfortunately, yes, I can. Well, you're a fucking monster. Speaking of monsters, are there any monster-based sequels in this top 10? Yes. Yes, there are. There are two of the sequels focus on the same monster. Is it Alien? No, but there is an Alien. Predator? No. This is a classic monster. Creature of the Black Lagoon? No. 1930s. The Blob or something? No. Drac- classic. Oh, uh, Nos- Nosferatu? Nope. Dracula? Yeah, you're close. Yeah, Frankenstein's Frankenstein. monster. There's two okay. Frankenstein sequels here. One of them I don't think you would guess or are familiar with. I was totally unfamiliar with. It's one from 1969. It's titled Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. <laughs> Have you heard but, of that? No, they're talking about the doctor though. In this case, I do think they're talking about the doctor. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, 1969, is number eight on the list. That seems a little left field. I've never heard of this movie. I've never heard of it either. It is a British horror film ah. starring Peter Cushing, who I know better as uh, Grand Moff Tarkin from Star Wars. He plays Baron Victor Frankenstein in this fifth in a series of films focusing on Baron Victor Frankenstein, who in this entry terrorizes those around him in a bid to uncover the secrets a former associate confined to a lunatic asylum. I realized why we've never heard of this movie. Because it's British. Yeah, and it features Peter Cushing, Baron Frankenstein, raping and murdering and Ooh. switching people's brains and body. Yeah, he, there's, he rapes somebody. He's the monster in the movie. Is there an actual monster as well? I guess. I guess maybe a little bit. Uh, the scene where he rapes this lady was filmed over the objections of both actors, Peter Cushing and Veronica Carlson, and the director, who halted it when he said when he felt enough was enough. It was not in the original script, huh. but the scene was added at the assistance of a production company, Hammer Production Company executive James Carreras, who was under pressure to keep the American distributors happy. So, you blame America that we, what, that Americans wanted more rape in their movies? I mean, why couldn't they just make it like actual sex? <laughs> why couldn't they make it consensual sex? If, if the whole point is that Americans want sex in their horror movies, why couldn't they just have them having consensual sex? <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. It reminds me there's, you know, everyone loves these Clint Eastwood movies, The Stranger with No Name, and they are yep. good. But there's one of them where he goes into a town and this woman smarts off to him. So, he drags her in a barn and rapes her. And then everyone just goes on like, well, he's a bit of a dick, you know, stay away, steer clear. He hasn't had his coffee yet. I do not condone this. But my theory on that is that it's supposed to show that he can take and have whatever and whoever he wants. And you're supposed to kind of admire him because he is the protagonist in those films. I guess. I... (laughs) I'd like to think that even in the 70s, if I grew up in the 70s, I would have seen that and been like, uh, 
Did the yeah. hero just rape a chick? <laughs> well, that's yeah. why you're not in showbiz, Brandon. That's why they won't let me in Hollywood. I'm against that stuff. <laughs> so then there's another Frankenstein movie, and this is one that does heavily feature Frankenstein's monster, and it was made in 1935. Is that Boris Karloff? Boris Karloff plays the monster, yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, I, I don't know. W- what is it called? You got to, th- I mean, it's right on the tip of your tongue. Think about uh, Bride of Chucky. Oh, Bride of Frankenstein? The Bride of Frankenstein is, the, is number two on the list. What's the uh, Mel Brooks spinoff of that? Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, okay. Young Frankenstein is really good. Bride of Frankenstein, I watched some of earlier today, and is not really good. I don't know why it's number two on the list. Sometimes people are like, this shit's old. It must be good. Like, well. Yeah. No, I'm, I am, I'm there with you on that. Uh, well, in 1998, Bride of Frankenstein was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, having been deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So, what do we know? Nothing. We have a podcast trying to educate people, though. The first Frankenstein came out in 1931 with Boris Karloff. So, this came out four years later, widely regarded as one of the greatest sequels in cinematic history, with many fans and critics considering it to be an improvement on the original Frankenstein. This movie starts as an immediate sequel to the events that concluded the earlier film, and it's rooted in the subplot of the original Mary Shelley novel, Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. There's a lot more about the Prometheus part in Bride of Frankenstein. In the film, a chastened Henry Frankenstein abandons his plans. He's Henry Frankenstein in these movies. I guess like in the lead up to World War II, they were like, ease off Can't all the German Victor. shit. Yeah, don't make him Victor. Henry Frankenstein abandons his plans to create life only to be tempted and finally coerced by his old mentor, Dr. Pretorius, along with threats from the monster into constructing a mate for the monster. Hmm. That's a good premise, though. Yeah, the monster and this renegade mad scientist force Henry Frankenstein to make a bride. Then why is it called Bride of Frankenstein? It's Bride of Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, See, this is why people always get confused about the monster because of shit like this. It's just careless. You know... I'm sick of it. Frankenstein is a good name for that monster. Yeah. It sucks that it's... You know, it's the dude. I think in the novel, the monster, he named him Adam because you know, he was the first man. But Frankenstein is exactly what he looks like. I'm sorry. And I know the film's culturally significant, but there's no way anybody in 2020 can watch that fucking black and white movie with like terrible effects in it. You know, that's back when movies were, they made movies essentially like, let's make a play and we'll put it on yeah. film. The blocking, the staging is all very play-like. It's like watching a stage production. The acting is kind of different. It's this like old classic style of acting. And I don't know if you have seen any clips of like how, you know, the Frankenstein's monster, he talked like this, you know, friend. And (laughs) that's how he talks. Bride of Frankenstein, she (laughs) screeches like a fucking bird of prey. That's the sound you hear. Do the sound. Her sound? She goes like... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
She makes this. See, that's the sound you hear in the middle of the night in the corner of your room. Oh, God. Uh, so, there's a lot of censorship issues in 1935 around The Bride of Frankenstein. The lead censor objected to lines in which Frankenstein and his work were compared to that of God, which is kind of important to the story of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's like the whole central premise. Uh, they objected to a number of the murders. They did not object to the presentation or the, I guess, some connotations or some coding around Matt, the mad scientist Pretorius being a homosexual. Maybe in like some of the way he acted or the way that he appeared. I don't know. But I guess... <sighs> oh, boo fucking who. I guess to people at the time, it would have been obvious that like they're trying to say this doctor is, is gay. Let me clarify my point from a moment ago when I said no one from 2020 can watch this today and think it's great and the second best sequel ever. Uh I stand by that. But I do respect and appreciate the context of the time it was released, of course. I'm sure at the time it was amazingly... I saw some special effects on it that I think in 1935 would have been like, holy hell, they blew up a castle. But we're just too far gone from that now to, to fully appreciate it in 2020. Censors in England and China objected to a scene in which the monster gazes lovingly at the not yet animated body of the bride, citing concerns that it looked like necrophilia. Well, they're Frankenstein himself, or the monster himself He's is dead. dead. Yeah, it can't be necrophilia if you're both dead. And to be honest, he looks way shittier and deader than she does. She looks, aside from some stitches on like the side of her neck, she looks fine. Well, and her well, her hair is not in great shape. I'm sure that was intentional. They got to even the dead monster women have to be dolled up a little bit. I was rejected by Sweden, Trinidad, Palestine, and Hungary. And Japan, this is my favorite censoring. So there's a part where Dr. Pretorius, he has made like teeny tiny people like small examples of a Frankenstein's monster. He's made all these little miniatures that he can just... Like elves, you might say, in someone's body. <laughs> exactly. He made his own body elves. And Japanese censors objected to this scene in which Dr. Pretorius is chasing a miniature Henry VIII uh, with tweezers. And they said that it constituted making a fool out of a king. <laughs> okay. See, so it's been noted for its Christian imagery and modern film scholars, as I think I mentioned a moment ago, have noted a possible queer reading of the film. Talks about Dr. Pretorius, the monster's relationship with the bride and society's rejection of their relationship, which, and I was just watching a few YouTube clips, but I was mostly like just interested in how like not modern everything looked to, to read anything else into it. And now... I'm kind of interested in what Frankenstein's monster was really supposed to look like. Because, you know, you always see him as green with this, like, square blockhead. Uh, Mary Shelley described Frankenstein's monster as an eight-foot-tall creature of hideous contrasts. His limbs were in proportion. Oh, this is, I guess, what she's saying. And I had selected his features as beautiful. Beautiful. Great God. His yellow skin. Ugh. He scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath. Oh, baby. His hair was of a lustrous black and flowing, his teeth of a pearly whiteness. But those luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with its watery eyes, seemed almost of the same color as the dun white sockets in which they were set, his shriveled complexion and straight black lips. 
That sounds nasty. That sounds nasty. I don't know why the teeth are pearly white still, but... Yeah, those are like the first things to go. So, there you have it, Bride of Frankenstein. You're making me kind of want to watch it though. I don't think it's a very long movie. I don't think you would... I don't think you're going to suffer through it. But she doesn't show up until, until almost the very end. And it's really not that much about her, which is kind of a disappointment. Do they like go on dates and shit? No, she's not too interested in him. Well, now I'm curious. All right. No spoilers here, even though this movie was released 85 fucking years ago. Yeah. You know, it is interesting as you're explaining all the censorship concerns and everything, just how, how different the world of film is now. You know, I'm sure there was not a single bad curse word uttered in this entire film. There they was would have, probably... They would have not survived the human centipede. Oh my God, can you fucking imagine showing the human centipede 2, which is a billion times worse than human centipede 1, showing human centipede 2 to 1935 film critics, they would have just shriveled up into nothing before they died. <laughs> Whoop. And I would have welcomed it. Okay, so tell me the years of the remaining two films in the top 10. 1986 and 2007. 2007. Let's focus on that for a moment. Is it a, you know, it must be a well-known franchise? Uh, sort of. I think there's only two movies in this franchise. Let me tell you who it stars. It stars Robert Carlyle, Rose Byrne, Jeremy Renner, Harold Perrineau from Lost, Idris Elba, and Imogene Poots. Poots? Poots. I have that in all capital letters. Poots. It's just like, it's Poots. (laughs) No, it's fucking not. Get the fuck out of here. That's her name. I've heard it before. Oh, goddamn. Imogene Poots. Change your name. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're going to be in Hollywood. I don't recognize that cat. Idris Elba. Is it, what could this be? Who was the first person? Robert Carlyle? Mm Mm-hmm. Let me see him. See if I. Oh, it's got to be. 28 weeks later. It is 28 weeks later. The sequel to 28 Days Later. 28 weeks later, I, I'm okay with that being in the top 10. It's very good. What number is it? The number five. Okay. After the events of the first film, uh, obviously 28 weeks after the rage virus outbreak, features those fast-running zombies. Pretty new concept, fast-running zombies, because they had always been slow walking before yep. that. And it completely changes the game. 2004 is when the Dawn of the Dead remake with Zack Snyder came out. Were they fast in that? I don't think so. I believe so. they were kind of medium they by were, zombie okay. standards. But yeah, 28 days later is when they were like Olympic sprinters. Yes. Uh, so, there's one left on the list. It's number four. Hang on. I want to talk about 28 weeks for a minute. You know, I know it's kind of a trope now. Because in 28 days later, Cillian Murphy is the main character. He wakes up in a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. When he went into the hospital, there was no rage virus. When he woke up, the world had ended, essentially. It's very similar in the Walking Dead series as well. Could you fucking imagine that? Waking (laughs) up and the world is just gone? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I did like, I was like from the time I woke up in the morning till the time I saw like on September 11th, 2001, so I saw the towers on TV was like, I don't know, like 30 seconds. 
the next 30 seconds, I remember thinking like, oh, maybe this is the beginning of the end of the world. Like, what if it, <laughs> like, everything just starts exploding today? Maybe the aliens did that. Because when I just saw those two buildings messed up, I was like, oh, it could have been space aliens. Still could have. Am I right? Maybe. But you, in this case, the world would have ended and you woke up and it was all over already. Like you missed all the drama and action of it. You just wake up in the aftermath, which is, that's a cool just, concept. Do you want me to just absolutely knock you out right now about Imogene Poots? Maybe. You want to know her full name? Tell me. Imogene Gay Poots. <laughs> <laughs> There is no, there is nothing worse than some gay poots. Uh, she is from London, England. Yeah. So, I know it's very mean of us to just sit here and fucking make fun, fun of someone's but it is name. funny. So, I mean. It's funny. What are you going to do? It's all in good fun. But my last comment on the 28 days thing, where I was going with that mm -hmm. is just they introduced a lot of innovative things to the genre. The fast running zombies. Yep. That trope of waking up and it's all over already. Yeah, it's a great series. Good deal. So, number four, 1986. Mm -hmm. Is it Poltergeist? No, it's not. Hmm. 1986. Is it a monster movie? Not like a classic monster. Oh, it's Alien. You said there's Alien, right? Yeah, it's Aliens. Not Alien, but Aliens, the sequel to Alien. Oh, I asked earlier if Alien was in... Well, you, you were mentioning those and then you moved on quickly. I thought I was you meant Aliens was in the top 10 as in like an alien movie. An, oh, like a no, movie is, with aliens in it. No, it's literally Sorry. the movie Aliens. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Aliens from 1986. Yeah, I thought you were talking about those two movies, but you were talking about little dudes. Little green dudes, yep. Well, these aren't little dudes. These are big, angry... Half wasp, half wasp. Yeah, don't I guess they, they do have a little stinger. Yeah. So it was written, directed by James Cameron. Stars Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean. Bean? How do you say his name? Bean? Bean? Whatever. Bill Paxton. It follows Ellen Ripley as she returns to the moon, where her crew encountered the hostile alien creature. This time, accompanied by a unit of space marines. Hmm. Uh, James Cameron was enticed by the opportunity to create a new world and opted not to follow the same formula as Alien, but to create a worthy combat sequel focusing on more terror, less on horror. Hey, I like that. Uh, yeah. Um, That's a good distinction. I just made it a different thing. It's still fun. It's still in the same like, universe. Still makes sense yeah. for the characters. It, he drew inspiration for the Alien story from the Vietnam War, a situation in which a technologically superior force was mired in a hostile foreign environment. The attitude of the colonial marines was influenced by the Vietnam War. They're portrayed as cocky and confident of their inevitable victory. But when they find themselves facing an inferior, but more, an, a technologically inferior, but more determined enemy, enemy, I'm having trouble speaking tonight. You're, you're you done. You need another Diet Dr. Pepper to wake you up. Uh, the outcome is not what they expect. How long has it been since you've seen Aliens? I bet I was 12 years old when I saw it. I recently watched some of the, or I watched those YouTube clips earlier and it got me inspired to seek it out and maybe pay for like 
a 4k Dolby Atmos version. I'm sure James Cameron has a version that's super expensive where he has all kinds of extras about how you had to go to the actual moon to get some of the technology. <laughs> uh, the alien suits in this movie were made more flexible and durable than the ones used in Alien so they could expand on the creature's movements and allow them to crawl and jump. Dancers, gymnasts, and stuntmen were hired to portray the aliens. They had eight-foot-tall mannequins that were created to make them stand in inhuman poses and could have their bodies explode to simulate gunshot wounds. Yes. I like how they go, I mean, surely they didn't actually need like gymnasts and shit, you know? I think they do. What's one of the um, similar notes about 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later is that when they hired extras or people to play the zombies or the infected or whatever... They specifically looked for people who had careers with like movement, people who were like trained dancers or people who like knew how to move or athletes, people who knew how to like move and use their bodies. Yeah. You tried out for that, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look at that zombie that sits. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting and reading the sports section. And despite having the longest trivia page I've ever encountered on the Internet Movie Database, there really isn't a whole lot of like, you know, solid trivia nuggets you can pull away from aliens out of context. Great. <laughs> so that's it for aliens. <laughs> so that's aliens. Yeah. To wrap up here, I'm going to start at 20 and take us all the way through the, through number one. Okay. But before you do that. Okay. We have to break things up a little bit and talk about podcast reviews that don't <laughs> okay. bring me fear. They bring me joy and cheer sometimes. And the first one comes from Derelict88 on Apple Podcasts. He says... Like you uh, can derelict my balls? Exactly. No, that's, that's actually in parentheses after his name. I forgot no, to say that. that's from Zoolander. Yeah. Derelict. I know. I know. Tenish is built upon such a simple idea of top 10 lists for things you may enjoy or be interested in that I'm kind of jealous I didn't think of this podcast myself. It's genuinely entertaining and often informative. <laughs> often. <laughs> you know, the goal of the show, this is me talking now. The goal of the show is to always be informative. So, nah. we're failing. Back to the review. Derelict says, the amount of lists they tackle is astounding and varied. This is a great alternative to talk radio to have on drives or work. Give them a listen and subscribe now. Or else. Yeah, I don't recommend putting us on at work unless you have earphones in. Yeah, fuck shit balls. It's... <laughs> It's interesting that we're always doing the show live in real time in people's ears, uh, not right. recorded, but they can still pause us. So, it's like when they hit pause, we just know we just, stop. we just stop talking and wait till they hit play again. So, we're dedicated. Okay. Thank you, Derelict. You can also Derelict our balls. And the next review, also on Apple Podcasts, comes from the Shocked and Applaud podcast. They say, Started with the most stressful jobs episode and love the banter and premise. Can't wait to listen to the back catalog, learn something new, and have a blast listening! Hell yeah. Thank you for your review. And if you want your review right on the show, you know what to do. Go write one and I'll read it. Brandon, you're about to take us through the top 20. Yeah, I am. Buckle up, sister. We're starting at number 20. 20 is Saw 2. Number 19 is Ring 2. Nope. Sorry. Ring 2 is not good. Uh, I didn't think so. Uh, number 18, I don't know how you say this. It's REC, like recording. How do you say that? Yeah. Rick? I think it's REC. REC 3 Genesis. Uh, got any opinion on that one? Didn't see it. Number 17, Memento Mori. 
Number 16, Destroy All Monsters. Number 15 was Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. 14 was Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Not the final chapter. Number 13, Final Destination 5. Nope. Never saw any of those. Number 12, The Devil's Rejects. Okay, that's good. Number 11, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Number 10 was Scream 2. Number 9, Paranormal Activity 3. Number 8, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Number 7, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Number 6, Halloween 2. Number 5, 28 Weeks Later. Number 4, Aliens. Number 3, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Number 2, The Bride of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And number (laughs) 1. Thanks for that. 1978's Dawn of the Dead. You mentioned one, I think it was like 16 or so, called Destroy All Monsters. Mm-hmm. Is that Godzilla? Uh, it might be. See. What I is that? I think it is. Yeah. It's uh, the oh, ninth God film bless. in the Godzilla franchise. Oh, yeah. It's got them all. Uh, it has 11 monster characters. Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, King, Jadara, Angarius, Manila. Yeah, it's got them all. How is this a horror? I, I don't know if this is a horror film, but. This doesn't look like it's even meant to try to scare. Okay. Cool. There you go. I did it. You're the champion. I am the champion. Don't do that. We don't need to do that. Well, this was a fun list. You know me. I love horror films. This is the first episode of Spooktober. So, I'm going to have a spooky list next week. I already know what it is and it's not going to be about horror or horror movies, uh, but it's still spooky. And you're going to like it a lot, Brandon. Uh, says you. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll resist. <laughs> well, it would be just like you to make things more difficult than they have to be. You have to force that list on me like you were Clint Eastwood uh, handling a sassy lady. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Oh, oh I, I, I do have a note here to mention our YouTube channel. Brandon, I haven't even told you this, but... okay. We've had a YouTube channel forever, but I didn't really do anything with it. But now I'm uploading every episode we've ever done on there. So you can listen to all 100 plus episodes on YouTube. I'm also going to, all those short little teaser videos I always post on social media where kind of like a visual narrative to a minute or two of an episode. Those will all be on there. And eventually we might also do some exclusive YouTube content like me and Brandon doing Bloody Mary in the bathroom. So go to YouTube, do a search for Tennis Podcast, hit subscribe. People are going to comment and go, you know, you don't have to be naked for Bloody Mary, right? (laughs) And we say, we know. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of naked, I should probably go get dressed. Gross. So, this has been fun. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for episode 103 and the next chapter of Spooktober 2020. Ding dong, dee da dong, dee da stand on Jesus. <laughs>